We're trying something new today. We are live via Facebook live right now. At least I hope the signal is still there. I don't know if it's still happening or not. And so either people are watching or not. I don't know. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see what will happen after this is over and I go back to look at it. Well, we're going to give it a shot anyway. It just Maybe it's one more chance to get the word out to, to people who are unable to be with us today. So my name is Pastor Brady Testorf. We've been here at the Calling Community Church for we're getting close to three years. It'll be three years on Father's Day this, uh, this June, and we have been blessed to watch God do some amazing things. We're so excited that you're here today. Please don't leave today without just getting to know somebody else, making a connection with someone else that you do not know, just at least a handshake or a smile or whatever, and make sure that you welcome them uh, here today. I'm going to give you an observation of the last 48 hours of my life, all right? So observations that I think will play in to what it is we're talking about today, at least to encourage you with, um, with a few things. For one, if you're here this morning and you're sitting up, up a little bit closer to the front, uh, look around, and if you find my pocket knife, please let me know, because I lost it on Friday night. I was here at the school play, which, by the way, I just want you to know, now, I'm not pointing anybody out, I'm not calling, not pointing fingers or whatever, but I just want you to know, we came to the play on Friday night, started at 7 o'clock, and before 7 o'clock, people were outside lined up ready to come in. When they opened the doors, everybody came in, and most everybody was on time, <clears throat> just to say something about that. At 7 p.m., the lights went down, and everybody was in their seat, and most everybody was sitting close to the front. Just saying. I know there's a few of you that reserve the back seats just in case my sermon is lousy and you can walk out without me knowing. But I see you. I'm watching you. <laughs> so everybody was crammed up to the front because their kids were performing. They wanted to get a close seat. It was, it was an unusual play. A lot of dialogue. It was called The Importance of Being Earnest based on a play back in the late 1800s. Uh, I was so impressed by the commitment, though, of the kids who were in the play. They, a lot of dialogue and how they memorize all that is just, just blows, me, blows me away. So, plus I saw one other thing. There was a girl sitting in front of me, about where Charlene is sitting. And she's sitting by herself. And another friend of hers came up to her and she said, Hey, I see that you're sitting here by yourself. My mom and I have a, some pretty decent seats back. We'd love for you to come and join us. Lesson learned. I thought, you know what, that's what needs to happen in church. And I know some of you are, are comfortably introverted and you don't want anybody to talk to you. I get it. But, but we need to make sure that nobody feels left out and they all feel like they belong. And I just love that picture. So fast forward, we go to uh, Saturday morning. Saturday morning I get up. I didn't get a chance to go to the Y on Friday. And so I thought, I'm going to go. I don't typically go to the YMCA on Saturday, but I'm going to go. And I had this leisurely plan in mind. I was going to sit in the hot tub. I was going to go sit in the steam room, clear my sinuses, do a little warm up in the pool. I was going to work out, talk, work out, talk, and then I was going to come home. Well, while I was there, I ran into a lady that uh, is a friend of mine, and she immediately started to confess her absenteeism from church. That happens to me a lot, by the way. People see me and they either try to avoid me or but if I actually make eye contact with them, they all of a sudden start this rehearsed speech of why they haven't been here recently. Well, I just wanted you to know 
that we're still coming to church, but it's just been, we've been really busy. Lots of things going on. There's been some sickness. And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 hear, I hear you on all those levels. It's true. I, I understand. And then she uh, proceeded to justify, like, like I said, her lack of participation. And so I invited her, though. I said, you, you, want, you want to push through all of those obstacles and just make it happen. Then she invited me to her class that she was getting ready to teach. And that class is anything but leisurely. <laughs> and so I proceeded with my own justifications why I could not attend. <laughs> we parted ways. I went on with my routine. But the entire time I was thinking, I need to push through <laughs> these obstacles and my own insecurities and just make it happen. Why I did this, I do not know, but I did. And so I went to the class. Now, I try to put myself in the shoes of people who um, attend church for the first time. Maybe you're here for the first time. I understand it's, it can be uncomfortable. You don't know everyone, or maybe you don't know anyone. But luckily, at least in this class, I did know a few people. A few of them are here today. At least one of them I know for sure. You know, you come in and you don't know the routine. You don't know that we're going to do the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning after the third song, typically. You, um, you start feeling a little uncomfortable because you don't know what to expect. Like, what's going to come next? Like, what is this, what's the message going to be like? Is this pastor, is he going to be any good? Did I just waste an hour and a half of my, of my life? I don't know. And, and I started feeling your pain, and I started understanding more so, anyway. Well, speaking of pain, <laughs> I am in pain this morning, <laughs> I didn't, even, I didn't even bring my big Bible because I don't even think I could lift it up this morning. Because this class challenged me. I found myself doubting myself. I was comparing myself to others in the room. I wanted to give up. Maybe church feels like that sometimes. But the instructor, she pushed me. And she encouraged me. And she made the workout, along with the music, kind of relate to everyday life. It was a reminder to me, that if you want a good workout, you have to be willing to put some work in. It's a good one, isn't it? You can quote that. I know that I can just, I know that I can't just go to this class once a month and expect like really good results. Like I wish it was that easy. I wish I could just do it once in a lifetime and expect that would be enough. Like I walked out of there completely in shape, never to have to work out again. Sometimes we approach church that way. If I just go once a year, or just, a, just enough, just going to get inoculated, if you will. And I wish the exercise class was that way, but it's not that way. You would have to actually put in some work if you're going to expect some results. Well, hopefully, you won't give up. You won't give up on your faith. You won't give up on pushing forward a little bit. And you want to push all the way to the end. Because at the end of this class... Literally, I thought I was going to throw up at the end of the class. I, I was like, I have never felt like this before ever at the YMCA. What was I thinking this morning? Well, at the end of the class, it was a guy's birthday, and he, and he brought a cake. <laughs> not, only a, not just a regular cake. This was what they call a king cake. Anybody know what a king cake is? If you're familiar with kind of like the Mardi Gras and the kind of like... So he, he brought this king cake... And I guess inside this cake, they bake a little baby Jesus. 
That seems cruel, doesn't it? But it's just a little plastic baby Jesus in the cake somewhere. And if you happen to be the one who gets that piece of cake, like you have this special blessing or whatever, maybe it's good luck for the year or something like that. So think about this. I thought about this thought. So at the end of that class, at the end of that grueling journey, we got to eat some king cake with a little baby Jesus in it. My friend that's here this morning, she got the baby Jesus. But in this Christian walk, in this journey that we're on, when it is hard sometimes and we just want to throw up <laughs> or just give up, we get to eat cake at the end with the King Jesus. Man, that'll preach, won't it? That's not even the sermon. That was just like, that's my last 48 hours. But I am sore. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going back in the hot tub. I'm not coming out this time. I'm just staying there. So we're going to be, we're going to be really speaking and learning out of the book of Romans today. So here's, here's the way it's going to work today. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Romans. If you have your, the books of the Bible, the, the Bible that we're going through for this series that we're on, please, you can open up the book of Romans, but I, but I want, want to do something a little different today. And so hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to follow along. So just a quick introduction, the book of Romans is uh, written by the Apostle Paul while he was in the city of Corinth, and he wrote to all Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. All right, so he's writing this to you, all loved by God, called to be his holy people. This book is the key, some scholars will believe that this book itself is the key to unlocking the entire word of God. It may be the key to unlocking the whole picture because it's the clearest presentation of the gospel that we have and it propels us into mission. Okay, remember, when you come to gather in here, it's because you can take whatever it is that you learn to scatter and take it out there. Okay, remember that? We gather to scatter. Speaking of this mission, Paul was actually raising funds in order to go on a mission to Spain. Like he's wanting to take this gospel further west. He's wanting to keep moving outward from Jerusalem for people to hear this good news of Jesus. This is one amazing fundraising request letter. It is so deep and so full of truth. Um, is Aaliyah Fountain, are you here today? No? There's a young lady in our church who's actually getting ready to go to the Dominican Republic this summer and um, is she here? Oh, wow, there you are. It's like the light's shining bright. So Aaliyah, raise your stand up, Aaliyah. I'm, just, I'm not going to make you dance or sing or whatever. Aaliyah is getting ready to go um, this summer to the Dominican Republic, and, and two of our children have been there. It's been an incredible experience. God's going to do some amazing things in her life. And, and let me just tell you, I'll just throw this out here. Um, Aaliyah probably still needs some financial assistance, and so if you say, you know what, man, I want to bless this young lady as she goes to the Dominican Republic today and you have a couple extra dollars in your pocket, Aaliyah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but find her today and just slip it into her hand and say, I'm praying for you as you go, all right? So once again, Aaliyah Fountain. Okay, that was just an extra that I threw in there for you. She didn't ask me to do that. I embarrassed her, I'm sure. So I'm going to do something different today. This is probably actually the first time I've ever done something like this. And some of you are getting nervous. I'm sure my wife is getting nervous. What's going to come next? <laughs> but I wrote a letter to the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to read you this letter. 
And in this letter, you're going to find all kinds of truth out of the book of Romans. And so if you want to keep score at home and follow along, you can. Or I would encourage you to listen, and then when you read the book of Romans, because we've already, if you're keeping up with the reading schedule, we're halfway through the book, and we've got the rest of it to go. And all of this will sound very familiar to you. So in this theme of this, this letter that I'm writing to the Apostle Paul on behalf of myself and you as the church, here we go. Dear Apostle Paul, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Brady Testorf, a servant of Jesus, through him I have been called to shepherd a flock of believers here in Platte City, Missouri. I, along with my brothers and sisters at the Calling Community Church, write this letter to thank you for all the letters that you have written to churches and individuals during your lifetime. Did you have any idea how many millions of people would read them between then and now? Well, let me just tell you that you've had quite an impact on many people that I know, including myself. I bet you had no clue that your writings would make up the majority of the New Testament. You have inspired, encouraged, and challenged the body of Christ to live more boldly and obediently for the one that was crucified and rose again for us. It's obvious that you meant what you said in the first chapter of Romans when you said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. As a Gentile, I'm especially grateful that you took your calling seriously and literally gave up your whole life to make sure the good news of Jesus was for everyone, even someone like me. You made it clear that Jew and Gentile were the same when you said that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Those are some tough words, Paul, but I know it's true because I know it's true in my own life and the lives of many others. We would all be in trouble if the story stopped right there, if that was the end of the message, but it didn't because you wrote some amazing words in your letter to the Romans in, in chapter 3, verse 21, where it says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus man that makes so much sense Paul so the truth is we've all blown it right we've all messed up and the law was good I mean it was good to point out our sin but following it perfectly we could not and it would not make us righteous before a holy God now, I know I'm preaching to the choir now because you were zealous for the law. You realized the truth of who Jesus is and what he has come to accomplish by his death and resurrection. 
Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the shedding of his blood, covers all of our sin, no matter who we are. Wow. That is powerful. But I have a question for you, sir. Paul, were you there? The day that Jesus was crucified, were you there? Were you so close that you could actually see his blood being poured out? Or did you stand back and hear him cry out to his father? What was it like to feel the earthquake and see the sky go dark in the middle of the afternoon? Were you scared? Did you run to the temple and see the development torn from top to the bottom? That must have been one crazy day. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm intruding at this point, but I'm just curious. Thanks for reminding us, Paul, that God doesn't expect us to get our life together before he was willing to do something about our sin problem. We have all proven that we'd be waiting for a really long time, or that God would be waiting for a really long time to fix ourselves apart from him. There's no way we can do it on our own. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His grace and his love are so amazing. But I like what you said in Romans chapter 6. How about this fact that we shouldn't just keep going on and sinning just so we can experience more of God's grace in our lives? You told us we should die to sin and live in it no longer. Just like Jesus was buried and rose again, we are to identify ourselves with Jesus through baptism. Buried to an old way of life. Raised to walk in a new one. We have all learned the hard way that the wages of sin truly is death. But I am so grateful that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, I want to thank you for being so transparent about your struggle with sin in chapter 7. I can relate to the battle that was going on inside of you because that same battle rages in me. For I have the desire to do what is good, but at times I just cannot carry it out. Instead, I end up doing what I do not want to do. My guess is the people in my church can relate to the same truth. And what is up with that? There are times when the struggle with sin feels like a really hard exercise class. The battles leave me feeling like such a wretched man. And who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, you gave the answer, Paul. It was awesome. Jesus, of course. The answer is always Jesus. And thanks be to God for him delivering me. And thanks be to you, Paul, for making it so clear for us in, in, in writing things like chapter 8 in the book of Romans. It is the most victorious chapter in the entire Bible. When I'm having a bad day and believing the lies of the enemy and the negative things that other people might say about me or even the negative self-talk in my own head, I read your words over and over again. Words like this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we have an obligation to live and be led by that same spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. I think we sang about that, didn't we? Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
And now if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, we might share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Life on this side of heaven can be pretty lousy at times. I mean, Paul, you know that full well. I mean, I've had some bad days in my life, but I've never been beaten and I've never been shipwrecked. So often, Paul, we have to be reminded to consider that all of our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good who those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we are encouraged by the truth that if God is for us, who can be against us? And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced that neither life or neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, those words keep me focused when things get hard. When you finish that part of that letter, Paul, did you just stop and think for a moment, this is good stuff, God. (laughs) The people are going to be fired up after they read this. But I do confess that chapter 9, it confuses me a little bit. I'm not sure I fully understand everything that you're writing about, but I do know that my righteousness is in faith or by faith in Christ. And I love the part where it says Jesus was the culmination of the law so that there would be righteousness for all who believed in him. I mean, you do such a good job in chapter 10 letting the people know that they can believe and be saved. I love the part where you say that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Preacher man, that will preach. And then you give us some pretty clear marching orders. How then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet who bring good news. Well, Trust me when I say my feet aren't very pretty, but I sure love preaching the good news. By the way, Acts 24, 2024 is my life verse, Paul. I use it all the time. I hope you don't mind. Well, I need to be wrapping up this letter, but we have a few more chapters to cover. Am I boring you since you've already heard all this before? I hope you know how much I appreciate your zeal and passion for me and the people in my church. We are the wild olive shoots in chapter 11 that were grafted into the olive root. The nourishment we receive from God's promises, and it's amazing. We won't forget to consider the kindness and the sternness of God. We know it is by grace we have been saved. We haven't done anything to deserve your favor or his favor. This truth causes us to worship him. And you write out this prayer. It says, oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has even been God's counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? 
For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It is because of this that we want to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. It's holy and acceptable, acceptable for us to do this based on what has already been done for us. Pray for us, Paul, not to be conformed to the culture around us. Pray that we will all be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We long to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for our lives. You gave us some practical advice in the rest of Romans chapter 12 on how to live out your will. According to his grace, the Lord has given us, the body of Christ has spiritual gifts, and he wants us to use them. Our love must be sincere. We are to hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. I read a story um, on, on Facebook. It was one of those things you clicked it on and I read it. And it was about uh, the story of Delta Flight 15 on 9-11. And it was coming from, I believe, Frankfurt to the United States. And on the way there, they got the call in the cockpit saying, all of the airspace over the U.S. has been closed. You've got to find the nearest airport to land in. You've got to do it now. The nearest airport was 400 miles behind them in Gander, Newfoundland. And so they didn't let the people obviously know the truth of really what was going on because they didn't really know either. They just said, hey, you've got to land. And so they told the people, hey, we've got some instrument issues. We're going to have to turn around and land. And so they did. Them and several other airplanes at that one particular little airport. And there were many, 230-some airplanes total landed in Canada that day. After they sorted through the news and they started finding out what was happening, all the people six hours later after they landed were taken off of the airplane. And they were taken to local communities within a 75-kilometer radius. They'd closed all the high schools, the meeting halls, lodges, and other large gathering spaces. They converted all of these facilities into mass lodging areas for all the stranded travelers. Some had cots set up, some had mats with sleeping bags, pillows set up. All the high school students were required to volunteer their time to take care of the guests. On this one particular flight, 218 passengers on Delta 15, they all ended up in a town called Lewisport, about 45 kilometers from Gander, where they were put up in a local high school. If any woman wanted to be just in a woman facility, they made that, they made that possible. Families were kept together. All the elderly passengers were taken to private homes. There was a young lady who was 33 weeks pregnant. She was put up in a private home right across the street from a 24-hour urgent care facility. There was a dentist on call. Uh, both male and female nurses remained with the crowd during the, the whole time they were there. Phone calls and emails to the U.S. and around the world were available to anyone all day long. During the day, passengers were offered excursion trips. Some people went on boat cruises of the lakes and harbors. Some went for hikes in local forests. Local bakeries stayed open to make fresh bread for the guests. Food was prepared by all the residents and brought to the schools. People were driven to restaurants of their choice and offered wonderful meals. Everyone was given tokens for local laundromats to wash their clothes since luggage was still on the aircraft. 
In other words, every single need was met for those stranded travelers. Passengers were crying while telling us these stories. And finally, when they were told that the U.S. airports had reopened, they were delivered to the airport right on time without a single passenger missing or late. The local Red Cross had all the information about the whereabouts of each and every passenger and knew which plane they needed to be on when all the planes were leaving. They coordinated everything beautifully. When passengers came on board, it was like they had been on a cruise. Everyone knew each other by name. They were swapping stories of their stay, impressing each other with who had the better time. Our flight back to Atlanta looked like a chartered party flight. The crew just stayed out of the way. It was mind-boggling. Passengers had totally bonded and were calling each other by their first names, exchanging phone numbers, addresses, and email addresses. During the flight, a guy got up and he, he made an announcement. He said, we want to take a collection to offer scholarships to the local high school in Lewisport so that those kids can go to college. That day, $14,000 was given. There is a trust fund that is currently existing right now with $1.5 million that has been given to assist 134 students in their college education. <coughs> I say all that to say this. This is a picture of hospitality. This is a picture of the church and the way the church is to exist. Would we be that willing to open up our lives and our homes to people who had a need? I mean, if it was thrust upon us, I would hope yes. But is your heart there now? Is your heart there? Is it open to receive people that way, to bless people in that way? I just thought that was an incredible picture of this hospitality Paul was speaking of. Let's go on to the rest of the letter. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hey, Paul, you and I know that to love and live that way is easier said than done. But you said that love is the fulfillment of the law. We all need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded it's time to wake up from our slumber because the day of our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is over. The day is almost here. Pray that we will all clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and stop thinking about how we can gratify the desires of our flesh. We receive your blessing today, Paul. We long for the God of hope to fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We promise to be wise about what is good, innocent of what is evil, as we wait for the God of peace who will come and crush Satan underneath our feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, Paul. Sincerely, your brother and partner in the gospel, Pastor Brady Testorf. P.S. I can't wait to hear you tell the story again about the day that you met Jesus face to face. Speaking of Jesus, please tell him hello from us. 
and let him know that we appreciate the Father's patience, but we are ready for him to return at any time. That's my letter to the Apostle Paul. We're going to have time of worship here in just a minute. We're going to receive the Lord's Supper. But I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you with something today. Are you here this morning? And are you someone that has never yet to call on the name of the Lord to be saved? Paul said it pretty clearly. It says, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved. He's offering you an invitation today. Would you be like Paul and not be ashamed of the gospel? Always believe that in moments like this, no one in this room can ever be able to say from this moment on, Nobody ever challenged me with that. I never heard that in church because you've just heard it. And I encourage you before we come forward to receive the Lord's Supper, confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth. Tell him, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of that faith, Though you will die someday physically, you will never die spiritually, and you'll live forever in the presence of a holy God. Don't reject that offer today. If you've never been baptized, you've never buried an old way of life and raised to walk in a new one, we want to encourage you to, to let me know that. We will get the water, we'll have it available for you, and, and you can... Identify yourself with Jesus' death and resurrection through the water of baptism. We want to encourage you to do that as well. We're going, to show, um, we're going to show a video, and then after the video, um, we'll come forward for, the, for communion. And here's, here's how it works. If you're new with us, after the video is over, everyone will stand up, and everyone will go to their right, to this uh, hall, the aisle right over here. And when you come forward, uh, if you have your attendance sheet, you filled out, hopefully you've done that, and your offering, uh, you'll drop it in a basket as you come forward for communion. And then um, right over here, we have a prayer calendar for the month of March. And so if you want to sign up and pray for a day in March, fill that out. And then we have prayer guides for the next 40 days, starting on March the 1st. It is a prayer guide for the season of Lent. And even though we're not Catholic, we do believe that taking 40 days to focus in on what God has done for us and through a concerted prayer, I think is powerful. So if you want one of those prayer guides that are available, just grab one, and then you'll come forward, you'll take the juice and the bread, and you'll go back to your seat, and you'll wait till everybody has come through the line, and then we'll take communion together, 